we have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words God, we thank you that your word is eternal. God, help us to take your word more serious. Convict us, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, we would spend more time with you and your word. For when we do that, we'll spend the time with you. God, I pray that we would begin to memorize scripture weekly and meditate on it daily. God, change our hearts. We ask that you would open our hearts, open our eyes this morning, that we would see what you would have us to see from your word and open our ears that we would hear what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. And whatever it is you tell us to do, whatever it is you say this morning, help us to be obedient to follow you and to do that. But God, convict us for not taking your word serious enough. Convict us for not memorizing the word. The ancient words. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. bless you guys. Has it been a good morning of worship so far? It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. God bless you. At this time, are there any children that need to be dismissed? They've already gone? Okay. All right. Well, I want to say welcome to, uh, we've got a returning visitor. God bless you. Glad that you are here. Uh, it's just good to be here with you. Has it been a good week? And we also have another visitor here. Amen. So God bless. Turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. As we continue looking at these wonderful words of our Savior and such an awesome connection with our worship time, isn't it? It's wonderful to be here in God's house as we study God's Word together. That's why we focus uh, in, in worship here at Sovereign Grace. It's everything we do here on Sunday morning is around God's Word. And so I'm glad that you are here. I pray that uh, you are blessed today. Um, this, as, as we look here in Matthew chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verses 32 through 37. And the warning of Jesus to these Pharisees, it continues. It's concerning the unforgivable sin, the one against the Holy Spirit, blasphemous words against the Holy Spirit, that Jesus points out very clearly that these words will be judged harshly. I mean, that, that, that causes us to pause, doesn't it? 
there's a further warning here in these, in these verses we're going to be looking at today against careless words. And our speech reveals the heart. That's what Jesus is going to point out. Our speech reveals our heart and the words will be the focus of judgment. And so if you're able to stand, let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's word as, as we're actually listening to our Savior Jesus Christ. He is speaking here. And so let's look at these words and hear them in the appropriate attitude. Matthew 12, beginning in verse 32. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. O you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we, we hear the words of your, sa- of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in these words of caution and words of warning to Pharisees, teachers of the law. He's condemning them for teaching incorrectly and also he's warning them and condemning them for their condemnation of others who are listening to your Spirit. And Father, this morning as we hear Jesus's caution, his condemnation. I pray, God, that our hearts, our minds, our souls would hear as well. Lord, we are sinful people, and often we speak in ways that do not honor you. And so, God, I pray this morning you would teach us, and I pray, God, you would cause us to hear, and I pray, God, that you would use this time to search our hearts so that we can see from your light what words come. Help us, Lord, to see. Forgive us where we fail you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please have a seat. Words matter. The old saying that sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you is a lie. Amen. Words matter. Words reveal our heart. And and the lie that we often tell ourselves is that we employ this excuse for our words. Has anyone ever used this excuse, I didn't mean what I said? Now, let's just be honest. We may not articulate an idea well, but our words matter. Our words reveal what we're thinking. Okay? Uh, if we say it, we thought it. The words are ours. They're ours to own. Now, we can stumble over our tongue and then re- and then maybe correct our stumbling, but words matter. And once they're spoken, they're out there. 
And this is what Jesus is really revealing here to these Pharisees. Remember last week, he, he's, he's, he's really condemning these Pharisees harshly and charging them with blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that will never be forgiven in this age or in the age to come. And so when we look here in verses 33 through 37, the charge continues. The charge of Jesus to these Pharisees does not stop at verse 32. It continues. So Jesus is speaking to teachers of the law here. And after showing the Pharisees the error of their words, when they said, when Jesus says, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, Jesus continues this rebuke. He, he's, he's pointing out the root cause of their blasphemy. That's what we're looking at here today. Yes, this passage applies to us, and we can look at it that way, but... When we look at the context of the passage, Jesus is condemning the Pharisees. He's pointing out the root of their blasphemy. That's what he's looking at here. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. And when Jesus he illuminates the root cause of their blasphemy, the root cause of their words is because of the malice of their heart. The malice of the heart produces blasphemy. And that's what we're going to see here today. It's likewise, if malice of the heart produces blasphemy, the humility of the heart that produces repentance and honor are precious. That produces precious words. So it's the humble heart that brings respect and glory to the Spirit of God and to His kingdom. It's the malice of the heart that produces blasphemy. And Jesus is going to point this out. He explains the root here of the blasphemy with four illustrations, and we're going to see these today. Uh, Jesus compares a tree with its fruit. He compares the Pharisees with broods as a brood of vipers. In other words, he's calling them children of serpents. It's pretty harsh. And now Jesus also he's going to show us that, uh, an illustration of the gushing or overflowing of things, the overabundance of the heart. And then he's going to talk to us about the treasury from which we draw our words from. You ready to dig in? Half of you are. Is everybody ready to dig in? All right, let's dig in. Verse 33, let's see here. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now you can look at this one verse and assume that Jesus is giving us a choice to either be good or bad people. Somehow that we may look at this verse and and walk away thinking that we can make ourselves good or make ourselves bad. If you just take this one verse as it is. But let's just be honest with you. Let's just be honest with ourselves. I think that if we look deeper, we'd have to say that it's impossible for us to do this on our own. I mean, wouldn't you like to have the power to be good or to be evil by your own choice? Wouldn't you love to have that power, just to snap the fingers or or have a thought in your mind and control who you are by your choices alone? Wouldn't that be awesome? Sure. I mean, we, we now, we do need to teach children and we need to teach ourselves, adults, to have more control, absolutely. But let's just face it, ultimately, we do not have the power to make ourselves good. Ultimately, we just have the will to make ourselves bad. That's ultimately who we are. 
I mean, if we know who Christ intimately is and do we know him intimately, do we realize that it's impossible to be good in our own strength? If we know Christ this well, the answer is yes. We, Christ shows us that we cannot be good. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that Jesus is actually expressing, right? The Holy Spirit comes through the Son, from the Father to the Son to us, and that's the role of the Holy Spirit to show us our depravity, to show us our sin. Therefore, when the Pharisees are speaking against what Jesus is doing, they're speaking against what the Holy Spirit is revealing. Therefore, the blasphemy. And so if we know Christ well, then the Holy Spirit is speaking to us clearly, and the depravity of all human beings is obvious. Now, even atheists, whether they realize it or not, they will agree with this. They'll agree that something in this world is not right, and they'll agree that all of humanity is just vile. Even atheists will agree with that. They just ignore the truth of the gospel. And so let's think about it. Any genuine Christian who truly knows the love and the forgiveness of Christ will know this. I mean, we see this... Uh, we see this all throughout Scripture. We see it in the wisdom of the Old Testament... When we also see it repeated in Romans chapter 3, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, but he's actually citing Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. So it's, it's, a, it's a universal truth that no one is good. So when we look here at verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, Jesus is not saying now you have the power to make yourselves good. He would be contradicting Scripture. See the point? But let's consider the type of men who Jesus is talking to. Remember, these were hypocritical Pharisees he's talking to in verse 33. That's the context. There's nothing more inconsistent with honesty than hypocrisy. And so Jesus, it, it, he's pointing out the vanity uh, of, of these Pharisees to boast of their righteousness. He's pointing out the vanity for those who are not sincere and upright. He's pointing out, he, he's, what he's meaning here in this verse is that one's empty professions of religious piety are going to bring nothing so long as one is double-minded. And that's the whole context of Matthew chapter 12. Anything that's divisive, anything that is double-minded is going to collapse. And Jesus is saying, you're speaking blasphemous words because your mind is split. It's split. Remember that Jesus proved his points here back in verses 25 through 30, that nothing divided against itself will stand. And he uses this as an example to, to reveal the truth of the kingdom that he is, that he is establishing. He's using the, the reality that anything divided against itself will not stand as an argument, a rebuttal against the charge that he was working under the power of Satan. Nothing within God's kingdom will stand if the kingdom is divided. And so it's here in verses 33 through 35 that Jesus brings comparisons between that which is good and that which is bad. So he's going to, he's continuing the illustration here of the division within the mind, within the spirit. 
Um, nothing double-minded is true. Double-mindedness itself is evil. That's really what Jesus has been talking about so far. And so now as he speaks about blasphemy, he's now giving some illustrations to even more further clarify the point. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. A tree, a tree is either good or a tree or is bad. It's not one, it's not both at the same time. Either your apple tree is producing good apples or it's not. It's not half producing apples. It either is or it isn't. The tree is good or the tree is bad. Even if you have half a tree producing half bad apples, the tree itself is bad. Would you agree? Let's just cut it down and plant another one. There is no division. It is or it isn't. That's what Jesus is pointing out here. It's a fool's errand to try to make oneself good. Just like it's a fool's errand to try to make a bad tree good. It's bad. Get rid of it. Cut it down, burn it up, use it for firewood, whatever you need to do. At least that's something good out of a bad tree, right? Put it in the fireplace. Get something out of it. And so Jesus is really what he's saying here in verse 33. At the first half, it's, it appears that Jesus is practicing a rhetorical device here. He's making a deeper point. By using this phrase, I think Jesus is dispelling the smoke and mirrors of their hypocrisy. You can't, you can't fake piety when you're really evil. You can act and put a facade up and, and that's what these Pharisees did. They were known for their hypocrisy. They, they were religious teachers. They were, they had a public face. Yet their heart was corrupt. And what Jesus is pointing out here in verses 32 and on, he's saying, your words are revealing who you are and you're blasphemous. The smoke and mirrors of your piety is dispelled. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, when we look here at the latter half here, verse 33 for the tree is known by its fruit. Jesus, he's speaking clearly and forcefully here. It's by the fruit of one's being. It's by the fruit of one's heart, one's true self, that the fruit of one's words and actions will be defined. You want to know what somebody's heart is? Listen to what they're saying. You want to know who they really are? Listen to their speech. That's what Jesus is pointing out here. And he's saying it in context of, okay, Pharisees, you've, you've spoken a lot here and you've shown us who you are. Your heart is blasphemous because your words are blasphemy. That's what he's saying here. If one's words and actions, wherever they originate, that will define the person. So what is the fruit of the Pharisees? Hypocrisy, false piety. Their, their, their vices are just grossly exaggerated. Their pride, they're full of ambition, they're full of envy. Every bit of this, oh, their heart is just full of venom. Therefore, their words are poison. All of their heart is full of diabolical and slanderous. And so their words reflect that. Their, their, their word, I mean, their heart is slanderous. Their heart is diabolical. Their heart is envious. Their heart's full of a pride, ambition. It's full of false piety, full of hypocrisy. And that's the truth of who they are. Yet the venomous words were not seen by the common people necessarily. And so Jesus brings this concealed evil out from under the rock. That's what he's doing. He brings out the truth by exposing it to the true light. 
These Pharisees were far from humble, and they, and, and they were not compassionate. And so their words revealed who they were. They were blasphemous because their hearts were blasphemous. That's what Jesus is saying. Now let's look, let's continue here as he's looking at verse 34. He's given the example of the tree, either a good tree or a bad tree, but now he go, now he just really goes for the jugular here. I love this. Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He's, he's always wise. And he's direct when he needs to be direct. And he's subtle when he needs to be subtle. And right here is not a subtle uh, uh, word, right? Look here in verse 34. He's not very subtle. He says, you brood of vipers. Again, children of snakes. That's really what he's calling them. You're children of the serpent. Genesis chapter 2 and 3, right? How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see that? He's calling them offspring of the serpent. Your heart is dedicated and loyal to the serpent, the evil one, Satan himself, who was cast out of heaven as a rebellious angel and is now wandering the earth, causing evil and destruction. That's what Jesus is saying. He's calling them this. He, you are offspring of the serpent. That's what brood of vipers means. You're, you're children of the snake. And Jesus speaks truth to the nature of these hypocrites, right? How can you speak good when you are evil? He's speaking very truthfully here, pointing out the facts. And so whatever hidden and crooked thing that exists in the dark is going to be revealed by the truth of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us in this room... We have dark crevices of our heart that we, we, we shove those evil thoughts and those evil feelings and those evil truths in our heart. We, we want to shove them into the dark crevices so they can be hidden. And it's the Holy Spirit that reveals this stuff. And as rightly it should, the Holy Spirit is the, uh, the, the one of the whole of the Trinity that comes into our being and reveals what is concealed. And Jesus is doing this here with the Pharisees. You are so blind, you hypocritical children of snakes. Let me show you the truth of who you are. Your words really show it. And Jesus is pointing it out. He calls it out. Because he says the tongue will reveal the natural disposition of the hidden truth of the heart. Because he says here at the end of verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So folks, if you speak it, it came from somewhere. Now in our modern day of psychiatry, we have the Freudian slip. A little bit of truth there, even though I don't like Freud. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35 here, he continues this idea because the mouth speaks what's in the heart. The treasure is where, uh, is, is, is held in our heart. Look here at verse 35. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Treasures of the heart. Do y'all have things that you hold dearly like treasure in the, in the secret recesses of your heart? I hope so. I hope you have some good things that you hold as treasure. But all of us, I think we also have some vile things that we hold as treasure too, don't we? 
And we hold it dear. The treasure of the heart shows the value of the heart. What we value is what we treasure. And so to treasure is to store up the most valuable things that one possesses or holds dear. The Greek word here that is used for treasure is thesaurus, which is the English, and we glean the English word here for the word, or for our word thesaurus. Anybody here use a thesaurus? That's what we're talking about here. It's words. Literally, you could say this is a treasury of words. That's what a thesaurus is. It's a treasury of words. But the idea here is treasure, and in context here, Jesus is clearly talking about speech, and so he's, he's kind of making a deeper issue here. The words that you treasure, there's a treasury of words within your heart that you go and you access because you hold it so dear. It's valuable to you. Now, we remember back in Matthew chapter 6 when we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount last year. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus actually points out the value of the treasure of our heart. He says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you value the most, that's what your heart is connected to. A person's heart here is the treasury of one's thoughts. The person's heart is the treasury of your desires, your loves, your attitudes, what you're loyal to. Amen? The heart is a reservoir from which the mouth draws expression. So whatever you're speaking, whether you thought about it before you said it or not, because we're all guilty of that, we speak before we think, trust me, the thought was there, you just didn't dwell on the thought long enough. That's what you're meaning by that. And it reveals our heart. And so let's also clarify here, I want us to go understand too the deeper understanding of the idea of the heart, right? The biblical understanding of the heart. Scripture shows that the heart represents one's character. The heart shows your character. It's, it's the seed of thought and it's the seed of one's will. Our minds in the heart are influenced by our modern age. We're influenced by romanticism when we're thinking about the heart. Right? All of our emotions come from the heart. That's, that's the modern romantic idea of the heart. But the scriptures don't speak of the heart that way. The scriptures, God's word, when we look at the heart, it's the, it's, it's, the, it's where one's will is arrested. It's where one's reason comes from. Not necessarily your emotions. So in Scripture, when we read about the heart, we're not talking about one's emotions and feelings. We're talking about one's ability to reason, where your will is located, okay? And and, and from this, the mouth speaks and reproduces verbally what is in the heart. Because when we speak, we're, we're expressing reason, whether we're reasonable or not. If we, we speak unreasonably... Our heart is unreasonable. When we speak reasonably, our heart is reasonable. So the heart is in scripture is talking about the reason, the will, not emotion. And, and so we see this, right? When we look at the epistle of James, if you want to flip over there, you're welcome to. James chapter three always comes to mind when we read this kind of a passage. 
James chapter 3, actually in verse 26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. It's not that you're deceiving your emotions. It's that you are deceiving your intellect. You're deceiving your ability to think. Because he says here in verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious, is anybody blinded to the idea that they're religious? These Pharisees clearly were. <laughs> they acted very religious. They thought they were religious, but they did not bridle their tongue. They spoke whatever they wanted. And they spoke whatever would elevate them, not necessarily what would elevate the glory of God. And when we see in James chapter 3, he says, the one who does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I think Jesus is saying this to these men, isn't he? Right? He admonishes these teachers of the Mosaic law in Matthew 12. And so his warning here in verses 34 and 35 is going to be much harsher than it would be to a careless or naive person who is not necessarily a teacher of the law. They're still held accountable. We'll get to that here in a second. But remember the context. He's speaking directly to teachers here. Because in James chapter 3, we see that there's a greater judgment for teachers. James chapter 3, verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. The Pharisees were teachers of the law. And Jesus is clearly judging their words. Amen? Also in Matthew and James chapter 3, verse 6, he says, and this is the, the words of James, he says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Blasphemous words, careless words of instruction by religious teachers, they come directly, according to the book, uh, James chapter 3, verse 6, that can come directly from satanic sources. Therefore, Jesus is warning these Pharisees, you better be cautious here. You're speaking blasphemy against the Spirit. You're speaking blasphemy here. So we can see that Jesus was giving this dire warning to these Pharisees not to speak against the Holy Spirit. Because any words against the Holy Spirit, I think we see here in James chapter 3, verse 6, we know where the source comes from. It's, it's demonic. Right? The Holy Spirit, remember we saw this last week, the Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity, not a symbol of Godhead, but the person of the Trinity, a He by which Jesus the Son, he, he was able to heal the sick and He was able to cast out demons by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reveals who Jesus is. And it's through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is conducting these miracles. So if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you're speaking against a real person of the Godhead. It's of who we speak against Him. We speak against all... If we speak against the Holy Spirit, if we speak against Him, remember He, we speak against all hope of redemption. That's what these Pharisees are doing. And it's more so, they're not only speaking against Him personally from themselves, they're also teaching others to disregard hope of salvation through the Holy Spirit. You see that? It's deeper here. 
So we speak against, if we speak against all hope of redemption, there is an eternal death and an eternal judgment that waits. That's what Jesus is pointing out here in Matthew 12. To teach or speak against what the Spirit of God reveals about who Jesus is? These are words of fire, and, the, and it shows the heart, and judgment will come. So if we look here in verse 36 and 37 of Matthew 12, Jesus now, I mean, he, he just really brings it home now. He shows the examples, the illustrations of a divided mind and a divided spirit. And he says here in verse 36 and 37, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, this can clearly apply to us, but we have to remember the context. He's speaking clearly to the Pharisees. Don't think that the Pharisees are going to be judged and we get off scot-free. It still applies to us. I'm just pointing out the context here. And so Jesus, he's bringing the point home to these hypocrites, these Pharisees. Judgment day is coming. Judgment day is coming. And when it does, it's by the words of one's life that one's heart will be objectively revealed to be either righteous or unrighteous. What you speak, particularly what you speak about Christ reveals your righteousness or your lack thereof. Let's be cautious here. Because we could we just say, well, you know, I didn't mean that. Yeah, you did. Words and deeds do not determine our salvation, but words and deeds are objective and observable evidence of one's salvation. Let's make sure we understand that. We cannot speak our way into heaven. We cannot earn our way into heaven by saying the right thing and doing the right thing, yet words and actions do reveal who we are. And when it comes to judgment day, that's what will happen. It's on the day of judgment that all of us will be judged by our words. Words of Jesus. I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible. I'm not making this up, folks. You see that? Y'all agree? That's sobering, isn't it? And the consistent theme throughout all of Scripture is that the only way to salvation is by God's grace. And God's grace is manifest in our faith, through our faith. What Jesus means here in verses 36 and 37, I think is, is this is that words will be reliable evidence of the reality of our salvation. Now, Jesus, I mean, God knows the heart. Jesus knows the heart. The Holy Spirit knows the heart. Yet when it comes to judgment day, there's always evidence presented. And part of the evidence that will be presented on the great day of judgment will be the words that we speak. That's sobering, isn't it? While our, while our Lord Jesus, he, he knows the hearts better than we do. One thing that's evident from this text is that speech of the redeemed person will be different. Be different. Because the renewed heart in Christ is different. A new heart in Christ will produce speech that is praiseworthy of our Lord. Agreed? 
Words of the heart of a new Christian will express pure and wholesome speech. Words from the redeemed heart will honor our Lord. They will not speak against Him. They will not speak against the work of the Spirit. Our words will not speak against what God is doing in His kingdom. And if our words speak against that, our heart is against that. Y'all are just really mellow now. I'm mellow. I mean, I'm, I'm reading through this over the last several weeks and meditating and praying through this over the last several weeks and, and, and even doing some extra reading. And, uh, and I'm going, my goodness, am I guilty? So what is revealed by the words of the Pharisees here? It's not so much what they feel, but more so what these Pharisees desire. What did these Pharisees desire? They wanted their own power. They wanted their own control. Often their desired, they, the desires reflect our thinking. They, des, they reflect our reasoning. And what these Pharisees showed is that in their blasphemy is what, that they did not desire Christ. I think it's pretty obvious. They did not desire Him. They did not desire the kingdom of God. They desired their own kingdom. That's why they spoke against what Jesus was doing. That's why they spoke against what the Holy Spirit was doing through Christ. And Jesus makes it real clear. There's judgment coming for this. These words of blasphemy, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. These careless words that you speak, you may not think much of them, but God is saying here through his Son, I care about those words. The words that we speak about our Lord reveal our worship of him. And I want to thank Nathan for that last song that you chose for us today. Oh, does that not relate to this. The ancient words of our Lord are words of joy and holiness. The words of our Lord are the words that should be in our hearts so much so that they become the words of our tongue. Let me tell I am more and more convinced the older I get, the longer the Lord allows me to live, and I, I hope with my age comes a little bit of wisdom. I don't know. I'm still not there. But I think I have a little bit more understanding at this age than I did when I was 20. Words matter. But they also reveal to me the words of the person speaking. And when someone comes to me and they ask me for biblical counsel and they want to know what I think and I listen to what they're saying, I have learned over time I'm not always perfect, but I can generally pick up where they're coming from and really what their treasure is. Most of the time, people who come to the pastor or come to any other Christian for counsel, they want someone to confirm their sin. Oh, that's not so bad. And the minute you said, now let's stop and think about what you're saying. When you reveal some truth there, it can either crush them, it can humble them, or it can make them very angry. I've experienced all of it. And when someone comes and they, they want to speak about what's going on in their lives, and, they, and the only words coming out of their mouth are words of, it's not my fault. 
Really? Often our desires reflect our heart. Our desires are reflected in what we speak. I mean, we face this dilemma in our church these days, right? And not only in how effectively we we argue for the value of Christianity. I mean, we are called by the Scriptures as God's people to proclaim the kingdom of heaven to everyone and everywhere that we go. That doesn't mean we have to go out on the street corner and act like a street preacher and yell at people when they go by. That's not what we're talking about. But we are, as God's people, expected, we are called, we are commanded to reveal and express to the fallen world the value of our Lord. It's one thing to speak the words of Christ and speak His name. It's another thing to show people the value. It's not a sales pitch. It's from the heart. Do we value our Lord? Do we value Christ? Do we value the salvation that comes through the grace of our Lord who saved us despite our lack of value? Do we value Christ above all things? I tell you, the time that we spend and the words that we speak show the value of our hearts. You spend more time talking about the latest cultural phenomena in the media. That's your heart. That's what you value. If you rather, if you would rather speak about politics over the gospel, what do you value the most? If you would rather speak more about the latest movie trend that's out there and the entertainment trend more than Christ, what do you value most? That it, what you're speaking shows your heart. Can our words and our actions, our beliefs, our reason, they can, they convey an adequate, do they, do they convey an adequate persuasion for non-believers to desire Christ? We are called as Christians to persuade, not, not, not a sales pitch, but to persuade others about Christ. Our words. We face a culture that is clearly a secular, non-believing culture who does not desire Christ at all. And if we go right along with that, that shows God our heart. On the day of judgment, He will say, here's what you said the most. Here's what you did the most. This shows what your heart is. I'm not saying fake it. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do. I'm saying, I think Jesus is saying, what he's saying to these Pharisees are words to us as well. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Every opportunity that our Lord gives you, Christian, to share the value of Christ to someone else. Let me just tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you what he's done for me. If we ignore that, words of Jesus. 
These Pharisees, these Pharisees here, they, they revealed their true desire by what they spoke. And Jesus, he, he calls them out and he says, you do not desire me. That's what he's saying to the Pharisees. You do not desire me. Your words reveal what you desire. Your words reveal your heart. Your words reveal the truth. What we desire, folks, comes out in our words. And our words will be judged. What do you say to your spouse? What do you say to your children? What do you say to your employer, your fellow co-workers, your classmates? What do they hear from us? Do they hear Christ? Do they, do they hear a love and a compassion that is supernatural? Not of this world compassion through us? Do they hear salvation in Christ through us? Do they hear a new heart through us? Or do they hear careless words that's not really pondering Christ at all? Or do they even hear direct vile words against our Lord? Nathan, would you come on forward, buddy? Let's pray. Father God, we, we pause here at the end of this passage and Oh, the pause here is deep. We can read this passage in the context of what it is and say, well, you Pharisees, you deserve what you got, but how many of us are just as guilty as the Pharisees and speaking blasphemous words from a blasphemous heart? God, if you have truly redeemed us through the blood of your Son, there is something new in us. And that, that the words that come from that new heart, Lord, should be honoring and glorifying to you and should be compassionate and, and truthful yet loving. And I pray, God, that you would cause us to be aware of the dark crevices of our heart that harbor ill will, that harbors even doubt, that harbors a treasure for things secular and things of the world more so than the treasure and the value of our Savior. I pray, God, that through this passage today that you would show us that, that your Holy Spirit would do the work that He is called to do, that He is here to do. Reveal in us, Father, our true heart. Reveal, please show us. We, we ask you this now after hearing the words of our Savior. We do not want to be judged for words that do not honor you. Your words are true. Your words are valuable. And I do pray, God, that you would cause us to turn off Netflix, to turn off Facebook, and read your word. Listen to your word. And allow your ancient words, your holy words, to be so ingrained in our heart that that is what comes through our words. 
Dear God, purge from us any blasphemous thought, any blasphemous words. Purge from us any any act that comes from our heart that is against you. We ask this, Father, humbly. We ask it, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.